Before we get started today, we're going to do one listener mail. Thanks for writing in, by the way. This is from our listener, Bruce. Hey, Bruce. And I think this one is about aging and training, correct? Yes, Sensei, that is what it's about. He writes us, this was an awesome episode. It just recently came to the realization that for me, some of the best workouts were in the water. Very appropriate for all, but especially those with issues or aging. The beach workouts were by far one of the toughest and most fun. For me, the most fun was the pool workouts at our home. I couldn't believe the weight of a wet uniform. Thanks, Bruce, for writing. And under that same subject, Marie says, and I really like this one because she says, I have laughed four times already listening to this aging episode, and I've only listened to the first 10 minutes. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank you for reminding me how important laughter is, and now I'm going to listen to the rest of the show. (laughs) <laughs> so thanks marie that's great that's cool right it's, very very sweet. Cool. it's a very sweet note too this is wildcat dojo conversations hi i'm still sensei michelle and we have a crazy episode planned for today we certainly do i'm sensei jackie and so glad to be here for it oh it's me too and i'm sensei Derek. and today we're going to talk about weird weapons from history Hey, do you think this will be more than one episode? I'm not really sure. I've been reading about a lot more weapons, but today's collection will keep people busy for a while, don't you think? I do think so. Mm. And maybe it will send them over to Twitter and Instagram where we have pictures of these crazy weapons. Uh, For a lot of these, if not all of them, pictures and visuals are needed. It really is in this one. And what my plan is, is to make two videos. Half the weapons in one video and half the weapons in the other. Because I think there's a lot of weapons. There are a lot. I didn't count them yet. Mm -hmm. And so both videos will be on both places. Excellent. Sound good? Yes. But while we're doing that, can we just get over the get in touch with us part, even though it's not scripted here? That's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) So get in touch with us anywhere we are at Wildcat Dojo or Dojo Conversations at AOL. And we're on Instagram at Wildcat Dojo Conversations because you just can't get a long enough name. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get going. Most of today's weapons information came from a site called thecoolest.com, and it was a fun site. What a great name for a site. We did backup work along the way, and we'll mention the name of each site as we use it. Thanks. That's really smart. Must have been your idea. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. So in an odd turn of events, we decided to tackle this subject in chronological order. That is very unlike me, isn't it? Who's up? I'll get us started. All right. With a weapon from 672 BCE. Uh, This one has an easy name. It's called Greek fire. And it was one of the earliest versions of the flamethrower. Throwing fire is super gross, isn't it? Uh, Sometimes stuff is kind of cool and kind of gross at the same time. Right? (laughs) Yes. Awesome. And here are some details. Uh, It was used by the Byzantine Empire. The inventor was a guy named Callinicus of Heliopolis. And as you can imagine, it was deadly. They used the Greek fire on their ships because you couldn't really extinguish it with water. Okay, let me interrupt you right there. So what they're saying there is, even when it hit the water, it still burned. That's right. 
See, that's super creepy. Am I wrong about that? That's like super creepy. It is. Creepy. It is. But in my experience in the kitchen, you have a grease fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do not want to be there with water. And Sensei Jay, when I was talking to him about this, said this was one of the first versions of what they later called napalm. Oh. That's super oh, that's, gross, oh, right? Oh, very interesting. And I guess from this, they learned about fire extinguishers and what would ah. extinguish fires. Okay, do, do you know where you are? I'm sorry I interrupted you. Us. And on a site called newscientist.com, they said that the recipe for the flame was lost over time. But on the coolest weapons site, they said it was a combination of naphtha and quickline, and that they shot it out of the bow of the ship. I just have one word for this. <laughs> I meant I to look it up. Is naphtha one of those things they use in dry cleaning? I don't have any idea. It's, it's and chemical. I'm sorry we didn't look that up, guys. Okay. Somebody grown up should do that, and we'll bring it in as a listener mail. <laughs> so get in touch. Where am I going? Uh, to me, I think. Because I was thinking it's amazing that weapons were kind of automated in ancient times. And that brings me to a weapon from the 6th century BCE, and it's called Chukonu, and was the first automatic crossbow. Since it was one of the first automatic weapons, of course, it had to be invented in China. Of course. Of course. (laughs) It's basically a crossbow where the arrows are loaded into a box attached to the bow. It wasn't very sneaky or very hideable, and the arrows didn't shoot far, but... What they lacked in distance, they made up for in volume. Can you imagine all those arrows coming at you? No. No. It's a very simple weapon, and it's the weapon that the Nerf company copied. I love that line. Mm. That's fun. I like that we get to have this much fun. I'm holding my fingers a half inch apart (laughs) because all this stuff is very deadly. That's right. So the picture we got of the Chukonu, it's a replica. It isn't an actual one. I couldn't find a picture of an actual one. So if you look on our site, the one we see, the wood is cleaner and nicer. Everything is like more modern looking. But the original ones, they had some drawings of some original ones. Mm. And they were, you know, old and yucky. True, true. But I mean, it's nice that they're making replicas so that we can, you know, see what was. And I was impressed Mm. that a lot of these weapons are being replicated. Mm. I went with a big word there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that crossbow reminds me that we did a couple of episodes, maybe even three on archery. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I'll tag one of them Mm -hmm. into the show notes so people can go back and listen. Boy, that was some interesting information. (laughs) Fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. And coming out of archery, I'm staying in the category of things we've already covered. Oh. I know, because we're going to the scythe chariot from 475 BCE. We brought those up on our gladiator weapons, didn't we? I love the gladiator episodes. Me too. They were so much fun. And so maybe we can tag that. Perfect. It's totally still worth going over, though. So what did we find, Sensei Derek? Uh, Well, chariots were already a part of Greek and Roman fighting uh, when they decided to add spikes and blades to the wheels that not only looked intimidating, but also cut up anything they touched. This is another one that kind of needs a visual. Yes, exactly. So you know where to go for that. You've got another weapon right away, Sensei Derek, and this one is even weirder than chariots (laughs) with knives out the spokes, isn't it? 
Uh, you uh, think that chariots with uh, knives out the spokes are weird? Since now, this one is uh, from the year 200 BCE and it's called the Claw of Archimedes. Clearly, it was invented by Archimedes and it was used to defend Syracuse. Okay, what was it? Uh, well, it was a crane-like structure. It jutted out from the castle walls over the sea and it would grab and turn over naval ships. This picture you'll want to see. It's kind of hard to imagine. When I thought of it, I thought of a modern day crane, but it looks more like the claw and hook game that they have. That's what I thought. That's what she said. <laughs> like it was an arcade game or something. And the picture that I found that we're going to post, it does kind of look like the cranes they use for building now. It's got a, a big pole coming up out of the top of the castle mm-hmm. and only a hook at the bottom, not the claw like mm. some of the graphics had. That's just the picture that I found. It must be crazy to get a high score in that one. <laughs> <laughs> They said in the different places we read that it worked very, very well. I, I imagine is ships are not known for their fast moving nature back then. Exactly. You had to wait for the wind to come up. Okay, guess what? What? We're leaving BCE behind and we're entering the common era. Mm. Can I take the first one from the common era? Because that's a weird one. I agree. But it was one of my favorites. This one was mm. one of my favorites. Nice. Okay. It's called an Urumi. And it's so rare that they only know the period, not the century. But it was around the beginning of the common era. It is from India, and it is taught as part of some of the martial arts there, like Kalari Payatu, which is an Indian martial art. I had no idea what it was when I saw the word. (laughs) Now, the weapon is half sword and half whip. It's metal, but when wound up, it is so small, it can be worn as a belt. Then when you extend it, it slashes. I, I will say, you've got to be really careful when you're wearing that belt not to bend over. <laughs> or, you know, you lose your top half of your body. It, it, didn't, it wasn't in a sheath, so I can't completely disagree with that. If those edges are sharp, yes. right? I, uh, I remember seeing, I don't remember what the movie name was, but they ha- I have seen that weapon before this time. I'd never figure out what the name of it was. Well... It's the film name is the same as the weapon because it's a 2011 film. Ah. And I did not watch the whole film, but I did mm. look it up on YouTube. You have to pay to watch, so you know I didn't do it. Why would you do it? <laughs> but the trailer is totally worth watching. The guy who's using it, he, he's got some nice talent. Uh, so I totally suggest you go on YouTube and look up the trailer for it. Yes. Nice. Uh, I wonder where we're headed. Let me think for a minute. Oh, Yeah. Before we move on, the article, you know, the original article, the coolest.com article? Yes. Mm -hmm. It mentioned both the trebuchet and the atlatl. And we discussed both of those things. We discussed the trebuchet and catapults, and we discussed the atlatl as the very first bow. So we'll do some more tagging, won't we? Sounds like a good idea to me, Sensei. All right. I'm moving us all the way to 1544. Boy, we're almost in modern times. Okay, (laughs) not. And this weapon, this is just a goofy one, called a gun shield. I found most of the information on this one at a site called art.thewalters.org. So it was a site about art, not about historical weapons. Mm. And when I was reading about this one, Sensei Jay and I looked up a lot of pictures. Did you guys look? I did. I did. Lots of pictures. 
I should have you, Sensei Jackie, read the inventor's name because it's extremely poetic. But I'm going to struggle through. You guys ready? We're ready. ready it was invented by a man named Giovanni Battista of Ravenia, and he was British. Which just does not fit <laughs> all. But we like it. That's good. I know. It doesn't make any sense, right? Right. Yes. He brought the idea for this weapon to King Henry VIII. That's a whole story right there. Oh, yeah. Mm. And the king had 100 of them made for his personal bodyguards. Hmm. Mm. It, it's very weird when you actually look at the picture of it and think of how can this actually be used? Is it the person's only having the shield and the gun or is the guns in the middle of the shield? Mm-hmm. So it just looks like a metal buckler with a little hole poking out. Mm-hmm. And all I could think of was a, an umbrella. Oh, wow. yeah. I can see that. Us. So what they said was the shield was attached to a matchlock gun mm-hmm. and it was meant to guard the person from getting shot while defending the king. That was the whole point. The problem was that it made the gun so heavy mm. that aiming was really difficult unless the gun was resting on something. Oh, that makes sense. So it didn't work out nice. in the long run. But still, it's a wild idea. Yeah, nice. that's what we're doing today. <laughs> nice. I can't believe I got the next one. But I'm not even sure how to say the name. We weren't either. (laughs) (laughs) But all the names are weird, so we're on board with it. I mean, it's part of the podcast. Weird. And and Sensei Jackie will tell you, if you want to fix our language. Reach out to us. Yeah, please. Please. We want to know the truth. (laughs) Or the better way to say something. Mm -hmm. Or your way to say something. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So the next one is called the Pumhart von Steyr. And it was invented in early 1600s. I couldn't find a name for the inventor, but here are some of the cool details. Uh, it was invented in Austria. It's a really short, really wide little cannon. It sits three feet in diameter and was mainly used for crashing through fortifications like castle walls. It could shoot a 690 kilogram stone ball, 600 meters. Even though it was made to blast through walls, it turned out to be deadly to oncoming troops as well. I would think so. It goes back to uh, our conversation in weapons class, bone versus bone and weapon versus bone. Yes, it really does. That's right. And also, that weapon completely qualifies under the category weird. Without question. (laughs) So they actually have one of these on display in a museum in Vienna, you know, just in case any of us are ever in the neighborhood, right? Uh, Wow, Sensei Derek, I'm working you to death today because you're going to move us on. uh, It's not a problem, Sensei. All right, I'm moving up to 1742 to a gun with a musical name. It was called the harmonica gun. The earliest known example of this weapon was invented by a Swiss man by name of Welton in 1742. Picture a revolver, but instead of shells revolving, they go into slots on a harmonica-like slide. Each time one goes out, the slide moves over, changing the balance of the gun so that the next shot has to be recalibrated to have proper aim. Again, weird. Yep. <laughs> I, I know you had heard of the harmonica gun before, Sensei Derek, oh, and so had Sensei J, but I had not. I had never heard of it. I had not heard of it. it I remember seeing um, uh, in an old, like, war movie, uh, oh. like World War One, that they had a machine gun styled like that, and then they would feed the box through. And this machine gun's I kind of held there. I don't know the name of it, yeah. but it's what it reminded me of. And when I, we were doing this podcast, I looked at the harmonica gun for the pistol version. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I've seen that machine gun before mm-hmm. that you're talking about too, where the shells feed in and yeah. it's a little bit more automated. Yes. 
But I think that you have one more thing about the harmonica gun, don't you? Us. Uh, it came out at a time when six shooters, which are revolvers, were popular. It wasn't easy to conceal, and as I stated earlier, had to be rebalanced in your hand for every shot. So it didn't really become popular. It was, however, uh, briefly manufactured by the Browning Company. On that note, I'd like to move us a few years further on, if that's okay, to the 1800s. Okay. And Are you saying that you're going to find a weapon weirder than the harmonica gun? Is that what you're saying here? I don't know about weirder, but certainly slicier. Ah. <laughs> okay, go for it. Okay. I'm going to um, go with another weapon from India. I really love the uh, unusual weapons from that country. This is called a Bagnak, and it was a Wolverine-like variation on brass knuckles. So you know I fell in love with it. Yeah, of course. Being a huge Wolverine fan. And me being a brass knuckle fan, it really was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the interesting, and I'm not sure if that's the word, thing about this weapon is the way it was held. You couldn't see the razor-sharp blades until you were actually in the hand-to-hand battle. So, ooh, because Uh, the blades are down here in the palm and the knuckles are up here at the top. And just to add a little, it has a knife jutting out of the side. And in all fairness, I specifically picked a picture with the knife jutting out of the side, but they had a lot that didn't have the knife and Mm. they were kind of (laughs) cooler. It kind of really gave you an edge over the competition. I got it. Uh, <laughs> you're so sharp, since it is. Stop, you two. Okay, Just I guess stop. the next point. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying right now that I think the one that I get is the coolest of all. And that's saying something when you think about all the things we've mentioned, isn't it? Mm, nice. Coolest and maybe most suited to who you are. Ah, that could be true. So let me say the name of the weapon first, then I'll come back to the site. It was called a Modern Dyson Le Petit Protector Ring, and it's from the early 1800s in France. Oh, what a good name. I wonder if they're related to the Dyson Vacuum Empire. <laughs> that would be hilarious, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, <they're, laughs> they are spelled the same. They are spelled the same, so maybe they're related. I don't know. So I got a lot of information from a site called ForgottenWeapons.com. And they do say, and I did search this, that there are modern versions of that being made. And some of them are really awesome to look at. Mm. We're not putting any modern versions on our Twitter page. So that's the search you guys are going to have to do for yourselves. Okay. Okay. So obviously it's a gun that's a ring. Oh, yeah. The protector. So you wear it as a ring and it only shoots five millimeter shells. Hmm. So they're very small. Mm -hmm. Some of the sites say it's useless for that reason. But my favorite quote from the article was this. The man said, so don't get mad at me because the man in the article said, you know, you found the right woman when this is the engagement ring she wants. (laughs) Now that is a perfect quote. (laughs) And just for the record, I would totally love that. (laughs) I would totally love to have this ring. It's decorative and useful. Thank you very much. It certainly changed somebody's mind, if not hurt them more. Quite an attitude adjustment. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that one's going to be hard to beat. Yes, but, it is, really. Uh, but I'll push us on to 1884 and the first fully automatic machine gun in the world. It was called the Maxim Machine Gun and was invented by Hiram Maxim. It shot 600 rounds per minute. It wasn't very accurate, but like other prototypes, it made up for the lack of accuracy by volume and was seriously destructive. 
It was used a lot in the Spanish-American War in the late 1800s. Yuck and wow. And I believe that that brings us down to our last two weapons for the day. I think so. And we're up to 1914. So around the First World War, right? Yes. This weapon is called the SAR tank. And according to the Coolest Weapons article, this tank is the weirdest tank-like vehicle ever designed. It was made in Russia, and it was a tricycle. Alone, that should give you a... (laughs) (laughs) Each of the two front wheels was about 27 feet tall and had its own motor. The problem was the rear wheel. It constantly got stuck in the mud and made the weird little tank obsolete before it was ever actually engaged in a war. It failed the field test and lay dormant about 37 miles from Moscow until 1923, long after the war was over, and it was dismantled for scrap. I got this visual of the poor third wheel sitting in the back being useless compared to the two giant 27-footers. Really should have had some... uh... Will they have on, on the, the bicycles, the training wheels? Oh, yeah. It should have had some extra. Well, it needed more pizzazz in the rear. And I don't mean that as the joke. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Okay, last weapon. And you're going to take us home, Sensei Derek. This has been exciting for me. Uh, so, uh, the French decided to turn a Vespa scooter into an armed vehicle by loading it up with a 75 millimeter recoilless rifle. Whew. Uh, yes. Right. It was in the 1950s, and it was called the Vespa 150 Tap. For sure, the most fun about this one is the fact that it's on a Vespa scooter. I mean... That is the most fun. Definitely. Wait till you guys see the picture. Uh, I'll say, if you haven't seen a Vespa scooter, please look up a Vespa (laughs) Now, imagine that. With missiles. (laughs) All right. But here are a couple of details. Uh, It was an anti-tank vehicle that was used by French paratroopers. In other words, it could be dropped behind enemy lines with its own parachute. It was made by the official Vespa company and was equipped with racks for carrying missiles and was sort of camel color. Us. I um, just have this strange vision of Vespa versus a tank. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't imagine those small wheels making it through the mud too easily. You know what? They remind me of the ones that are held on the shoulder now. Mm. And they do use those as anti-tank missiles. Oh, speaking about the missiles, here's a couple of statistics. It was a 75 millimeter gun powered by gas, so almost no recoil, and it was supposedly capable of penetrating four inches of armor at 7,000 yards. Wow. Truly devastating. Everyone will have to read for themselves as to the success or failure of this little bike. Popular mechanics said that they weren't very successful against Soviet tanks, but they did find some success with Algerian fortifications. So I looked up two or three different sites, and everybody has an opinion on that. Landon would love it if he were here because he would go, yay, controversy. (laughs) (laughs) And on the note of us missing Landon, he's out having fun and yay for you. It is time for us to finish up. How much fun was this? Oh, this was a great, great episode. Mm -hmm. We laughed. We had fun. We learned an awful lot. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I would say of the 13 things we went over, I'd probably only heard of three. Uh, I would say I've seen four or five. But only name-wise, no two. And I knew none of them. <laughs> so this is going to be a fun listen for everybody and including us on the rebound. That's right. All right. So we have our business to take care of. So let's do this. Let's say you're not going to buy any antique weapons at Honor Athletics, but you can certainly <laughs> buy modern-day weapons for your karate training at honorathletics.com, right? 
Certainly, and if you'd like to modify them through some of the pictures, <laughs> no problem at all. So reach Cynthia at 770-945-5150 or scroll down in the show notes and what do you do? Click, Click the link. <laughs> <laughs> we are not tired. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word click. And click the link there, or you can uh, find her on the web at honor-athletics.com. Thank you, Cynthia, as always. And thanks to our audience for supporting her. Us. And don't forget, audience, that if you'd like a, a 10% discount, just mention Wildcat Dojo as you're checking out. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Cynthia Jackie. All right. I think that finishes us up for today. Do you agree? I, do, I think Sensei. so. Us. Start me out. Good night, everyone. This is Sensei Derek. Bye, everybody. See you next week. What a fun day. <laughs> and easy, too. Yes. Uh, so I'll sign us out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations. <laughs>